I was cutting off the hocks and I was just like, these are stunning. The marbling and the texture and the color was just, you know, it gets you excited to use and cook with those products because it looks so good. The Crackling is the latest podcast from Deep in the Weeds, where we take you behind the scenes into the kitchens of Australia's best chefs. If you do the kind of double cook with the spiking, it's crunchy, but like a honeycomb almost, like a, like, like glass, yeah. <laughs> and onto the farms of our nation's best producers. Somebody came along and said, well, there's this opportunity back in Victoria and it was pig farming. That's sort of how we got into it. And it's been fantastic. The stories, the passion, the produce. It was a real life-changing moment for me to, to see, you know, the respect of an animal that is so deep and such a part of a culture. The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. Listen and subscribe to The Crackling now on your favourite podcast app. I think it's a, a very unusual time because it feels like it's very busy and everyone's sort of scrambling and, you know, doing big days to try and, I don't know, stay ahead or stay on top or keep keep everything turning, but it's just definitely not for the, the rewards of, the rewards of what, what, it, what it used to be like. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Timing as they say, is everything. Although the pandemic has affected everyone in the industry, some, through luck or fate, were better prepared than others, at times unknowingly. A planned renovation or a change of business model or an offering that suits a takeaway model. But that's not to say these businesses, these people, have not had extreme challenges. Luke Powell is a co-owner of LP's Quality Meats and Bella Bruta. Luke, how are you going, mate? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You uh, made the extraordinary decision earlier this year to close LP's Quality Meats as a restaurant and head down the path of small goods, charcuterie and sausages um, just before the pandemic. That sounds like pretty good timing. <laughs> yeah. We we decided to close the restaurant um, we were always doing the wholesale small goods since we've sort of been opened and we thought it sort of looked like there was a bit of potential to to grow on it and uh, we were sort of outgrowing the space and we thought that, yeah, if we close, close the restaurant and, and lose half of it to build a, a small goods production area, um, that would be a good thing to do for, for potentially for growing the, the wholesale and the small goods side of, of the business. Um, and, yeah, like you said, it was just sort of, impeccable timing in a way because we'd never sort of expected to what what to unfold um to to happen was it a tough decision you know lp's quality meets you know you you spent a couple of years building this amazing brand and a restaurant that you know everyone loved a a kind of you know smoked meats and all sorts of stuff like that that we hadn't really seen before in that style was it a tough decision to change the business model It, it was and um you know, I was obviously very. I'm still very attached to the to the restaurant, and we were sort of looking at an offsite facility to build it somewhere, and big warehouses and factories, and it just seemed like too much of a big jump. And Joe, our business partner, um, just said, "Fuck, won't you do it at the at the restaurant?" And that was terrifying. And I sort of thought, "Well, I don't want to, I don't want to close the restaurant and, and do that." But the more we thought about it, and we sort of started speaking with architects, it seemed to make make more sense. Um, and really reinforced the the niche of the restaurant as well. Now we're 
now we actually do have a, a meat processing area in the in the restaurant. What's some of the changes involved in turning a restaurant into a facility like that? What, what's the process been like? Um, it's it's um, it's been a learning curve, I guess, and and it's, it almost feels, and I keep saying this, it feels like what was always meant to happen in a way. Um, it's taken us five years to work out how to how to do this and how to grow that side of the business and how to build for that as well because it's we, we were sort of doing it and even the way we did the sausages when we first opened and the small goods compared to how we do it now is quite quite different. Um, and yeah, I, I guess the, the architect just hates us because it started off as a small room and it got bigger and bigger and bigger until it was half the restaurant and he just thinks we're probably idiots. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's ended up taking up taking up half the restaurant and it's it's functionally and, and, and the way it works is, is insane like having all the temperature control we work in a 10 degree area now and um, we had all these sort of temperature parameters for blending things before and now they never get there because everything's so cold and um, yeah it's still still learning and I think we'll it'll take us a while to grow into it. You also uh, have brought back the restaurant in a in a different way um, you've got the the wholesale side of things and the and the butchery um, but you do have um, LPs, quality mates, uh, quality mates back in a certain way. Can you tell us what it is? So I guess now we've we've gone from 110 seats to 40 seats, um, 30 with the restrictions. And I think a ri- the original plan was when we closed that we were going to use it as a venue and perhaps do masterclasses or buy out some events. Um, and um, once once all this sort of started happening, we were sort of forced to not forced but I mean we sort of floated the idea and we we needed to open just to 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 get more revenue happening because the the wholesale side was was not um just due to its timing it wasn't wasn't enough to to keep it up so now we've sort of got 40 seats the menu's completely different um we're, we're sort of not leaning on the smoker so much for um having a huge outlay of meat smoking away and we've, we've sort of got a charcoal oven that we use a lot more and um, we've got ripped out some of the bar and there's a deli cabinet in there. So we're only open two services a week, just Saturday, Sunday. And people come in from 10 o'clock and can get a coffee and a sandwich and deli meats. And then from 11.30, we, we open up for service um, until 4. What's been some of the challenges involved in creating a butchery and selling small goods, you know, during this time? Yeah, um, we we were sort of planning on, on pushing the wholesale side of the, of the small goods business. Um and Tan sort of, my partner Tanya, she sort of saw it coming a little bit. She 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 was um, she was thinking that this was going to happen in Australia as well, um, watching what was happening overseas. And um, and once everything closed, um, our wholesale side just completely dropped. It was nothing, um, and we still had four hundred kilos of pork in the fridge and wondering what to do and. We've sort of we just sort of did a bit of a backflip with which way we were going to approach it because it was wholesale. We were planning on selling, you know, the small goods and sausages um, to to other restaurants and, and venues, and we decided that we we had to process this pork. So we started doing these four packs of sausages and going a bit more of a retail direction, um, and and that's what's kind of happened. And it was thankfully the deli, the deli in Newtown, the Continental, um, they they took a lot of the sausages and they were sort of the first. Um, the first retailer of the LP sausages, um, yeah, Mike Nicole in there. He he wanted to call it home of the LP sausage instead of home of the martini. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, so and even even still, we're sort of it, it's it's we're, we're sort of doing more retail now. We've teamed up with a 
distributor who's um who's who's getting the products out to about 180 I think retailers now, which is which is quite a lot. Um, and but still, it's still 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 growing. What's been the impact on Bella Bruta? It's a pizzeria opened a, a couple of years ago now, and it just really took off as one of the best pizzerias in Australia. And I remember speaking to you early on in the pandemic that you know the takeaway thing was putting a real strain on things um, because people want to take away. What, what, what's been um, the case with Bella Bruta? We um, we again, Tan sort of saw it coming and. We we thought we would change to takeaway before we actually got shut down. Um, we're incredibly lucky because pizza is sort of easily adaptable to takeaway. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me. And um, we yeah we decided to, to to start doing takeaway and delivery, um, which which was um, amazing because we were sort of completely overwhelmed with with support and orders. Um, but it became a whole new. It was like a new business. It was like starting a new business again, um, just trying to maintain quality control, um, people's expectations, what what the oven was capable of, um, and um, yeah, just with the with the with the delivery and online ordering platforms as well. We we just sort of struggled because it was just you know you fill the restaurant up with eighty people and that's that's that, and you cook the pizzas for them. But with the internet, it was just nonstop and the. The, the, the docker machines just going and going and going and I mean it's a wood-fired pizza oven it's made to do sort of three or four pizzas through at a time and it was just it was a bit brutal but um the staff did an amazing job and um you know every every sort of thing we had to do to to stay ahead of what was happening and um they, they did it on a dime and <clears throat> always did the, the best thing that they could to make it work to make it successful they, they it was really the staff that 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 adapted so quickly earlier you mentioned that making sausages and doing the butchery side of things it feels right and it feels like it's something that you're always meant to do but your career arc is pretty extraordinary and a long way from that you were once the head chef at tetsuya's when it had three hats and uh, can you tell us about those days what what it was like working in that kitchen um i always wanted to work at Tetsuya's, um, I'm originally from New Zealand and um, when uh, my, my, my boss in New Zealand used to have his book in the office and I always thought what an amazing restaurant it was and came to came to Sydney and always wanted to work there and ended up working with Martin Bennett, the boathouse, and then went with him when he went back to Tetsuya's, um, completely over my head and just wasn't really um, used to working in a, in a brigade that big. I think there was 25 chefs at the time um, there and there was a a few few people um, who were there during that. There's one particular year, 2005, where there's a lot of guys who have maintained incredible friendships with now. Um, but it was, um, yeah, it was it was it was an, an intense time. But it was it was brilliant. What led from the world of Tetsuya's to do a, a smokehouse? What what created the sort of spark for that journey? Because that's nowhere near Tetsuya's. <laughs> um, we, uh, I wanted to go to, I was, I was doing stages and I wanted to go to, I wanted, I wanted to open something and, um, and I, I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I organized a, a stage at Blue Hill at Stone Barns in upstate New York. And I went there for a month and they were incredibly kind to me and very friendly and just said, if there's anything you want us to know, just let us know and we'll, we'll show you everything. And they were sort of 
sending pigs away and to the abattoir and, and getting them back, and then they would break them down and turn them into sausages and hams and prosciutto and salami. And I'd never done any of that before, and did butchery at Polytech in New Zealand, like TAFE, and hated it. I wanted to be a chef, not a butcher, so I wasn't interested at all. And I just said to them, "Can you just show me all this?" And 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 they were every day they would call me upstairs and we'd be making sausages and everything and I just caught the bug um and um and then I, I sort of real, realized or knew that okay when I get back to Sydney I want to do something a bit more not I want to say real but just I felt quite insecure in cooking as well like I, I felt like always working in dig restaurants or whatever um you know I wasn't I couldn't probably bake a loaf of bread or make sausages or you know roast a a lamb shoulder so I just wanted to do something a bit more um a bit more a bit more hands-on I guess um and so we, we when I got back to Sydney I, I spoke with um Elvis and Joe from, from Porteño and um yeah told them what I was thinking and Elvis sort of turned around and said yeah we're doing it and I said oh well you guys are doing it he goes no no we're, we're doing it that's it <laughs> and that was it so we so we started planning yeah what was that journey like how do you how do you go from sort of the tweezer world of Tetsuya's and um, a stage at, at Blue Hill, but creating a smokehouse is is, is a challenge in itself. Yeah, um, I, I guess like I was really excited to to cook um, food that I was sort of so so into. Like I was so excited to do that. It was more the daunting part was the was the business side um, and. Which those, which 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 Joe and Elvis completely took care of, I guess, and walked me through it because I guess a chef trying to open a restaurant is an absolute disaster with um, leases and liquor licenses and rent free periods and all this sort of stuff. Um, but um, once once the restaurant sort of opened, I had some really key guys there. Shannon Shannon Debrusini was 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 there with me, and there was only three of us originally. Um, Kimmy Gastamir from. Um, Moon Bakery, and and so it was the three of us, and and yeah, it was a lot of fun, but just very very different, and a lot of again a big big learning curve, and um, just the outlay of smoking meat every day, and <laughs> yeah, a lot of lot of lot of disasters, but a few few successes, and yeah. You've been making small goods from the early days and transformed the business into sort of what we were just talking about a bit earlier. What what are the challenges in making small goods? Um, I guess the the thing we're sort of struggling with at the moment, and particularly in a sort of unknown um, climate, is is just the the quantities. Like, it's a big outlay to to order a lot of pork, and um, and then to to it's it's quite it's quite labour intensive um, to to process all the sausages and dry them and smoke them and pack them and um, box them up. But I, I guess just knowing what levels to to sit on, because um, we just don't want to get caught out. And I guess as soon as we make them, it's Getting into shelf life and um, yeah, um, that's I guess that's the scary thing at the moment. How 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 much to make and how much to to outlay because I just feel like you know potentially we could be closed again or um, yeah. What's what's your mode of operation? Are you looking at sort of traditional recipes for salamis and prosciutto and things like that, or how how do you approach making small goods? Yeah, so we we sort of. Um, all our sausage products are, are, are smoked and, and cooked products, so they're fully cooked through. Um, we generally look for 
things that we've done over the years that we've really liked. Um, sausage. We've, we've made all sorts of different sausage recipes, um, and I guess at the moment we've got four that are that are part of the range that are, um, I guess, our favourites. Um, and for for things like the salamis, we've experimented with loads of different spices and all sorts of things. And the best one is just garlic and black pepper. That's that's what we're sort of working on now to try and um, branch out now and, and get a license to produce dry cured. Um, small goods so we're, we're going to focus on doing a saucy on sec which is just going to be the only the only only dry cure product we're going to do and just try and focus on that and, and do it well and um but yeah that, that's that's it garlic and black pepper it's always the best one <laughs> what what's your favorite to make um i think salami is definitely my, my favorite thing to make um and all those dry cured products like it's it's seriously meat and salt and thyme and you can end up with something so incredible by by hanging something up and complex and sort of controlled uh, controlled rotting of meat but it's um it's yeah it can be some, something quite extraordinary you've had a really interesting um period of time changing a successful restaurant into a butchery and a pizzeria that's sort of adapted quite easily to the takeaway model but um you've had personal challenges um with your partner tanya What's what's this period? What's this last couple of years been like for you guys? Um, yeah, pretty 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 rough. Um, so obviously Tang Tang um, has been going through breast cancer um, treatment and um, going back to when sort of LPs reopened as a as a restaurant. Tan Tan was um, just about to have surgery when we decided we had to do it. Um, but it's been quite a, a lengthy a lengthy time. Um, but I guess through it all I mean she's the main thing is she's okay and um, um, sh- yeah I don't know <laughs> it's, a, um, yeah, it's been a hug how have you dealt with the pressures during this time I think the the, the main thing is just the 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 staff um, it's it's been a lot easier with having amazing people around us and um the the staff ever ever like Bella Bella and LPs um, there seems to be a super ingrained family spirit and, and support for each other um, and it, yeah I think they've gone to um, huge great lengths just to make sure everyone else is okay as well like everyone's sort of checking on each other and I think overall there seems to be a good spirit um, within our little group but I mean it's obviously been tough and um as for everyone and um but yeah i guess just the uh, yeah i guess everything's everything's pretty been okay just but mostly because of because we've all been in it together and everyone's been working together and um we've been lucky that we've been able to keep keep everyone on um a little earlier you said that it feels right doing small goods and this new phase of your career what do you love about it um at the moment, like it's it's an, it's amazing because we sort of do small goods production Monday to Friday, and um, and 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 the and the restaurant is LPs is open just Saturday Sunday lunch. So we sort of have a week to think about what we're going to cook, um, and then it becomes quite a a diverse working week as well. So the guys do two days production and two days service, um, and I think just being able to make a product that has a larger reach than than the restaurant. Um, 
I have friends sending me photos of the products popping up in all sorts of random places, and it's it's amazing. Like the guys, the guys, you know, it's 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 funny when we sort of get a photo from someone and we sort of show it around. It's it's really cool um, to to see the stuff out there and to yeah, just to just to make these nice products and to get them out. Um, How are you feeling at the moment with Melbourne's lockdown? And you sort of mentioned earlier that Tanya sort of saw this coming a bit a lot earlier than a lot of people and. You guys were kind of ready in a in a way, but how do you see the state of the industry moving forward? Oh, um, it's um, it's a real worry. Like I, I feel like it's a disaster. Um, it seems like a disaster down there, and it's terrible. Like just hearing stories from people down there, and I'm hearing about people not being able to you know do it a second time and stuff like that. Like it's um, it's quite scary. Um, and I think for here, I I, I mean. It's a cliche, but I guess it just everyone's sort of. I feel like it's not, everyone's very on edge, and we, I feel like we're on a sort of on a knife's edge, waiting waiting for something to happen. Um, but I mean, even you know, every announcement, you sort of notice a huge, huge change in 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 what's going on, and I think everyone just needs to, I don't know, be careful. And yeah, like if if we have to start wearing masks, wear the masks, and you know, just keep hygiene super high, and you know, I even think that you know, you get relaxed and people, you see people start shaking hands again and stuff. And it's just, you just, I just, you just can't. It's, um, yeah, pretty, pretty scary time. LPs is, um, a kind of a hybrid establishment. Now it's got the restaurant two days a week. It's also got the deli where people can take away, uh, small goods to cook at home. And it's also a, a facility that's producing it for wholesale. Do you think we're going to see more restaurants that are sort of hybrids moving forward to adapt to what's happened? I think so, and I think like seeing some some great things happen out of these times, like people having to adapt and, and change into other things, when bakeries or you know produce boxes and all this sort of stuff. Like I think it's it to me, it just makes me think now that you, we can't rely on on just the restaurant. Like I think we have to diversify and um we just can't be guaranteed that those people are going to walk through the door every night and fill the restaurant up to whatever limit where we we can fit um so i I do yeah i do think i do think people are going to have to adapt and and stay stay nimble a couple of weeks ago i saw that you released a video on how to cook your sausages and it kind of really surprised me there were some things (laughs) in there that i hadn't considered can you run us through that like that was incredible yeah Okay, so we we um we started doing the retail packs, and then of course we're getting tagged in a lot of photos that people were cooking the sausages online um on 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 the internet, and I just had this sort of thought, you know, they're they're unusual products because they are fully fully cooked all the way through, and so they're quite dense. Um, and there's not a lot of without saying they sound like they're dry, but there's not a lot of moisture, unlike a fresh sausage. So people were sort of cooking cooking the heck out of them, and and I think they were sort of burning before they were probably hot in the middle so i think that's why we were getting tagged in these things and i was like oh my god i think we might need to do a bit of a a video um so yeah we we sort of put this thing out which we which we do in the restaurant we sort of poach them first before giving them the sizzle just so they heat through thoroughly and plump up again and then they can get the whatever it's going to be a pan or a griddle or a grill or um yeah beforehand but hopefully that that helps <laughs> we're we're sort of um talking about doing more more uh more vids. Oh, cool. Well, what, what are they going to be? Um, 
more I think just how to how to use the the sausages. I'm pretty bad when people ask me, oh, you know, what do I do with the <laughs> chorizo? Or what do I do with the boudin? I just eat it, <laughs> like a bit of bread or something. But I think we need to be a bit more um, creative with our uh, with our information. So we might have to start working on working on some more options. What's been some of the challenges during this time running these two businesses? Has it afforded you any time off, or have you been really hands on because of the the scale of what's going on? I think it's a, a very unusual time because it feels like everyone, myself and everyone, feels like it's very busy, and everyone's sort of scrambling and you know doing big days to try and I don't know stay ahead or stay on top or keep keep everything turning. But it's it's definitely not for. Um, the the rewards of the rewards of what what it, what it used to be like, um, but um, yeah, it's, it's just I guess it just it just feels like a scramble. It's that's basically what it feels like at the moment. Everyone's sort of just trying to tread water. Just before you were saying about um, you get nervous when someone asks you what to do with a chorizo or a sausage, and you like to just eat them. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, what do you what do you love about restaurants when you go out to dine? Oh. Um, like that's, you know, we, I miss it so much, like going, going out and, um, I just love lunch. I love going out for lunch. I mean, I think that's, that's part of the reason why we decided to open LPs just for lunch only. Um, I guess you can eat too much and drink too much. You don't have to go home too late and go straight to bed. You can have a bit of a chill out afterwards. (laughs) 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 Don't, Don't skip dinner if you're too full. And, um, but yeah, I think. I don't know. Even even if you know you go out now, it does feel a bit unusual um, going to these sort of restaurants that is that are spaced and it's um, you know s- s- sanitizer and logging in and it's 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 um it's 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 weird, very weird. As we move forward and get past COVID, um, what are you most looking forward to? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like it's a long way off, but I think, um, yeah, probably going out for lunch, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, big, big catching up with everyone and being able to travel again. And, um, yeah, that's, that's, seems like we're in our little bubbles at the moment, but, um, and even my family, all my family's in New Zealand and everyone wants to catch up, but just got to wait it out a bit longer. Well, mate. Um, it's always amazing to chat with you and I really appreciate your time today. Um, good luck with the small goods. Hopefully they'll be in Canberra sometime soon and uh, and um, we'll talk soon. Yep, all good. Thank you, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.